Hello and welcome back to another edition of Laurent Robert's Left Peg, the Newcastle United podcast brought to you by AMS Media. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon. And once again, I'm joined by the fountain of Newcastle-related knowledge. That is Mr. Harry DeCosimo. Welcome back, mate. How are you? Hi, Harry. I'm really good, thank you. Uh, a bit warm today, 27 degrees is where I am, but uh, really, really pleasant weather and we're getting to that stage just period we can't really fully enjoy it at the moment. Absolutely. The weather is glorious, uh, for wanting of a better term. It's fantastic. Really enjoying it. Um, not enjoying being closed in the studio with having to have the fan on because I'm melting, but there's so much noise going on outside. Like, Yeah, I'm the same. Just to make sure I can hear you properly. Exactly. Do you know what it is? For me, I don't mind the noise of cars passing and the day-to-day noises of life. But there's an irritating dog that lives next door to me that just barks 24-7. And it's, <laughs> it's one of those little ones as well with the annoying bark. You know the ones I mean. Um, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right, let's begin um, as we always begin, or we always seem to begin anyway. Um, update on the takeover, Harry. What on earth is going on? <laughs> It just feels like nothing, like something, something's wrong because nothing's happened. But it's still where it was, and there was even some talk today that um, that the announcement's imminent, and people are saying that you know sources in the uh, in Saudi Arabia are saying that that the announcement's been given in private from the Premier League, no announcement yet. Um, as people higher up than me in the Newcastle United stratosphere are suggesting, it isn't there yet. I haven't. Um, been chasing it up this week I've been a bit busy so um, what people are saying is that basically it's it's not official yet but if, again the message is still the same I'm just saying exactly what I said before it's where it is um, where it's been for the last three weeks I'm just not putting a date on it the one thing I uh, I got quite annoyed at in the week was um, reports that Richard Keyes had said that there was another bid on the table and exclusivity was about to run out well we're beyond the point of exclusivity and things like that, and and it's the the issue, the holdup isn't to do with, you know, between Mike Ashley and uh, and PIF or or anybody really. It's beyond that. It's with the Premier League, so exclusivity doesn't exist anymore at the moment. Until there's a problem with this deal, and and then it's back to square one. Um, no other party can can um, can make a deal because the deposit's been done, the contract's been signed. We're just waiting for the Premier League and then the money to be transferred. So it's a case of just waiting and waiting and waiting until the announcement comes. I know it's frustrating, and for some people it's probably taking the shine off the idea of the cans and the, and getting getting people out there and, you know, and, getting, and having the party that everyone's been talking about. I understand that, but it's just a point of waiting and waiting until it happens because it's still where it is. And you, again, we've said before, you've got to remember that Lockdown itself is a problem. Project restart is taking up a thing. It's a bit very, you know, there's much more noise than there ever has been. Um, there's another meeting uh, between Jamal Khashoggi's wife or fiance and, and the Premier League today, or as, as has been reported, Newcastle fans aren't very happy about that. But as I've said before, when it comes to stuff like that, you've just got to let those things run their course Absolutely. because um, Jamal Khashoggi's fiance isn't having a go at Newcastle United. She's she wants justice for her for her fiance. That that's all she wants. And I think these things, you know, getting on her back is a problem from Newcastle's perspective. You can't, you know, demand that that Newcastle uh, fans are not put into the political bubble 
as is a fair argument from fans, but also at that same point then uh, criticise somebody like um, like Jamal Khashoggi's fiance. So I think the whole thing is just getting a little bit tiresome for people, but it's still where it is. Yep. It's still where it is. Brilliant. Let's uh, move on to, to Project Restart. Now, this is... Uh, this is a big thing, of course. The Premier League are desperate to get the season back underway. Um, you know, there is no fairer way, in my opinion, of, of continuing the season or, or of deciding the final standings of the season than playing the games. I know the circumstances aren't ideal. I know that the competition we're going to see return is not going to be the same as the one that stopped in March because there aren't going to be fans. There are going to be slight alterations, perhaps, to the rules, uh, i.e., the number of substitutes allowed, etc., etc. But Harry, we, we saw the Bundesliga come back uh, last weekend. A, an example of how, in my opinion, it should be done. And I know, again, it's not ideal. But what did you make of the way the Bundesliga handled it? And has that given you confidence that the Premier League can also return? I think the, the two things are different. I, said, I think we said this last week. Germany is in a much much healthier position than England is at the moment in terms of the battle the coronavirus. Um, it's still, it's, you know, Britain and the UK is is past the peak, but the numbers are still horrifying. You know, the the, the general numbers of deaths are horrifying in comparison to Germany, who who dealt with it better and earlier than than the UK has, in my opinion. Um, but I, I thought it was okay. I didn't quite understand the. The, you know, I, I get why people think it was soulless and, and didn't enjoy watching it and things. I get it. You know, I understand because it was weird and fans, I think this, it shows at the end of the day, what uh, something that's not as important right now but will be when all this is over is you've got to understand how important fans are. There was no more thing I took from it was how, how important fans are to the game, even watching on TV. So it doesn't fit, sit with me very well that fans are being... You know, are at the bottom of the pile. That's obviously not important at the moment. In terms of how how it was dealt with, I think it was okay. Um, and I think if if Britain gets into the same sort of situation in a wider sense as Germany is, then fair enough. But I think three coronavirus, sorry, six coronavirus uh, positive tests across three clubs is worrying, um, especially at, at Watford, where Mariapa's come out, uh, Adrian Mariapa's come out today and said he was. One of those players, it just seems a little bit something to me that you, maybe you pull back a little bit on it. I know Steve Bruce has, has alluded to something like that as well. But the date is perhaps a little bit early rather than, you know, not doing it at all. But, but I think, I think Harry, I think I'm correct in saying that there were more positive tests in the Bundesliga than there have been with those involved in the Premier League. So I know the situation. I know the situations are different in the sense of. The, the situation that England finds itself in in comparison to Germany's. But, I mean, I when I read that initially, I thought, my God, there's six people that have got coronavirus. Surely now... And I even tweeted something. I think I put a poll out and I said, what do you do now? Do you push forward with the plans? Or do you scrap the league altogether? But the more I think about it, and I'm not for a second suggesting that people should be put in harm's way, but the more I think about it, actually that wasn't a bad result when you consider how many people were tested. It was 10 across 36 clubs though, wasn't it, in Germany? I think that was the difference. Um, whereas I know there's a, I know it, 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 it's 20 clubs and three have had, you know, six have come from three clubs. 
But still, it just—I don't know. It, it just—it it just makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable in, in terms of that. But I think, um, you know, there's there, there's a possibility, you know, that Watford could come back and play, and somebody like Troy Deeney, who said that he won't, doesn't have to. Newcastle, someone who's pretty obviously, I think, has, has made it as clear as he possibly can that he won't come back if he has the choice. Is Danny Rose? Um, I think it's interesting that that's happened. Um, you know, I think there's a possibility because if you ask, there might be enough players who are willing to come back, and I think I just worry that the situation is still too high across the across the country for it to be a situation rather than within the football clubs. I don't, I, you know, um, I, I I I was a staunch defender of the idea of finishing the season at the very start. We even spoke about it on the social club, Harry. And I was. This is what three weeks ago or four weeks ago, and I said I was happy for it to go ahead. My position's probably changed a little bit in terms of maybe uh, not that I don't want to, just that I struggle to see how it can be done. Because the other thing is that you're talking about, um, you know, the, the you know, can players start playing? Obviously, is it, it's like a longer than pre-season. So the you know, then the break. So do they need a pre-season type thing to happen before they come back? Then about playing Christmas schedule, which uh, level Christmas type schedule, three games a week for, for what six weeks? Um, you know, Thorgan Hazard had to play for Dortmund at the weekend because Gio Reyna was injured in the war. Um, that could be a, a regular because these are little things that people aren't thinking about in the in the big picture that only become a problem if they if they rear their heads and I think that these are things that need to be thought about I'm not saying I don't want it to happen I'm not saying I, I would love football back I loved watching live football even without fans I loved watching the, the, the derby at the weekend between Schalke and, and Dortmund um, but I, I just have my I just have more doubts than I did because of the things the amount of things that are popping up now I think f- from my perspective I think I share all the concerns that you have. I think you're absolutely right to raise them. I think that you make some great points. The thing from my perspective here is that there are so many things about the sport that we love and the game that we love that when it does return, whenever that is, whether that's next month or at the end of the year, we're still going to have some some changes there are still going to be some changes there are still going to be issues uh, around social distancing you know that the country is not just going to go straight back to normal so i think that people need to and i'm not saying this is you harry but i think people need to get out of their heads that when football does return there are going to be no changes and we're expecting the same game that we saw abruptly halted in march to return in its original state. I think there are going to be these things like injuries uh, and and you're seeing late substitutes. I think we're going to probably have to see substitutes um, or substitutions allowed from the sense of five rather than three for a while. I think there are changes and adaptations that our sport is going to have to make in order to cope with what's gone on. And I just think that if people are waiting for football to be able to return in its complete original state, then they're going to be waiting for a hell of a lot longer. Um, And then can football survive that? Probably not. So I think we just have to accept it's going to be a little bit different. I absolutely agree with you on on that in terms of 
they're going to be changes, and I, I wouldn't be against the idea of five subs over three. I wouldn't be against, you know, sort of things that, that orbit football that don't affect football directly, like the things that have been discussed about social distancing at corners or turning your back when you're uh, after a tackle. Things that, as, as we mentioned last week, just don't seem feasible. So I'm not. I, I, I agree that it, 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 when it comes back, these things like no fans and and maybe five subs, these these changes that have been made in other in other uh, countries. It was strange watching Erling Haaland score at the weekend and not being able to celebrate, and they did that sort of social distance yeah. celebration, which is quite funny. Um, I think that these are the things that you that you can accept, but I just it's not about when it's ready for that. It's more to do with now is, you know, absolutely when, when the numbers are down and the country's a little bit further out of the out of the mire that than they are right now, I think is when you can start talking about it a little so I'm talking about maybe, you know, as as I think Steve Bruce mentioned, maybe the first of June or twelfth of June, whatever it was you know, put it back to the end, towards the end of June, maybe to see where we are, because two weeks, three weeks can make a, can make a huge difference in these sorts of sort of situations as we've seen. So um, I'm not against the idea of football coming back. As I said, it's just I have my doubts on how it's working at the moment. Absolutely fair. Uh, let's touch on Danny Rose's comments. He's been very vocal about it and again. Um, he doesn't want to be a lab rat. I think that's that, that's what the latest remark was. Um, yeah. Danny Rose, Steve Bruce, Troy Deeney. There's a lot of people voicing their concerns. And it shouldn't be that when someone does that, we pick on them and we have a go at them. Because, you know, there are those who are so desperate for football to return that they don't want to hear any objection to it. But they are expressing genuine and valid, more importantly, concerns, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, what I've put on forward my support for Danny Rose last week because I think you know it's not a footballer's you know idea it's not a footballer's point or you know thing to entertain it's not a, it's not a job to entertain people for the sake of it um you know and and this idea of entertaining the nation in a time of crisis by putting themselves on the line it, it does make him make him feel like a like a bit of like a lab rat and I can understand that completely um it's, it comes back to these similar arguments, you know, like um, like uh, Simon Jordan was saying about Deli Ali on um, Talksport, talking about how his uh, his the unfortunate thing that happened to him with with being burgled happened, how it was reported, you know, in terms of naming the price of his watch, naming how much he earns at Tottenham and stuff, and it's like this idea that because they earn that much money, they should it doesn't matter what happens to them, and it, you know, just because they have huge wages and huge followings on Twitter, like I mentioned last week, it doesn't make them any more, any less human. So they should have It doesn't make them immortal, does it? Yeah, it, may, it, it, it means that they, Simon Jordan was absolutely right talking about something that we're not talking about here, but the point still stands, you know, that footballers are human beings. They have a right to be able to say whether they want to go back. Equally, they have a right to, to say if, if they should, you know, if they would, if they would like to go back, and I know there are a lot of footballers who would like to play, um, I couldn't quite believe what Graham Sooners is saying about you know maybe hiding a a potential positive test that he said this week. But um, I think that's a bit too far. But I think you've got to take it. Well, maybe it, works, it does work both ways. You've got to take Danny Rose into into account and say he he doesn't want to play. But you could also take 
somebody who does want to play into account. It, it works both ways, and maybe that just means that Newcastle play their games without Danny Rose. Watford play their games without Troy Deeney. Uh, you know, it just it just happens to be like that. I I I know that. You know, I agree with you that they they should be able to voice their concerns, and they have a right to you know to not want to play. Essentially, I'm just wondering though, from a and I'm again I'm playing devil's advocate here. If and I think we touched on this again last week, but if you're somebody who works, uh, you know, in a I don't want to say normal job because I don't mean to pay any disrespect to anybody who's doing a, a day to day nine to five job, but those people can't turn around to their workplaces and say, I don't want to come to work because of coronavirus, because at some point they're going to be forced to go back to work. I mean, the guidance has already been coming out, hasn't it? If you can't work from home, then you should uh, speak to your employer, etc. I I just wonder if people are getting agitated with the likes of Danny Rose and the likes of Steve Bruce, because they feel that just as we're saying footballers shouldn't be treated any differently because they earn X amount of money, why should they then be able to refuse it? But we can't as such. But I think personally, I think that's wrong that they, you know, I think in an ideal world, everybody would, would be able to go back to work in a safe environment and everybody has the right to, to go back. If, if they have to go back to work, then they have the right to, to turn around and say, well, it's not safe enough. You are allowed to say that. So, I think that there's your there's the, there's the answer is that maybe footballers can't necessarily stop it happening, just as people can't stop places opening up and stuff even before they think it can. But they can take their own personal, um, you know, thing into into account and, and move from there. Yeah, great points. Absolutely, um, Harry, you had an interesting chat this week, didn't you? Yeah, I, um, Monday night I. Uh, got an opportunity to have a zoom call with Jose Enrique, which was uh, lovely. Um, former Newcastle defender, um, spoke very candidly about his trouble that he had with his, um, brain tumor a couple of years ago, spoke very well about his time at Newcastle. It didn't end very well for him at Newcastle because of the, uh, the, the manner in which he left, but he, um, was treated very poorly at the time by, by, um, the club ownership as, as many people have been um, and he did, he was wasn't necessarily overly critical about the people above him he didn't tell me anything you know that I couldn't report in a, in a sort of you know that proved he was overly angry with them but he was you know he, he, he was he, he washed his hands with the whole thing it made him very it made it very easy for him to move to Liverpool um, and then he went on and had a good career at Liverpool before Obviously, his injuries cut, cut him short, but he was a lovely guy. He, uh, he, he, he loves Newcastle and he loves Liverpool. Um, he was very. He says he's very thankful to play for two of the biggest clubs in the in the in the country. And he, he, you know, he, he. I think Wait, a lot did, of, I, did I miss something? Did he play for Arsenal or something? <laughs> <laughs> well, funnily enough, I think they were interested in taking him at the time that Liverpool got him, but Liverpool uh, came at the right time. But, but. Basically, the thing with Jose Enrique was that he got criticised um, at the time for leaving. But there's a lot that he did at Newcastle that he that he deserves a lot of credit for. Staying during the relegation the first time round, yeah. um, you know, he, he taught me through how his mindset was then. Uh, he he wanted to stay originally, um, and you know, before eventually leaving to leaving to Liverpool. The reason he left was because. 
Liverpool came in, but also because Newcastle had refused an opportunity to to um, to sign my new deal after promotion. Um, so so it was a very good a very good interesting chat, and it'll be out soon. Hopefully, everyone will enjoy it. But I, I it was absolutely a pleasure to 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 get to speak to him, um, and he he's doing very well during these difficult times as well. Brilliant stuff. Don't forget to follow Harry on Twitter at Harry Cosimo, and that way you'll never miss any of his fantastic work. Um, that brings us to the end of the episode. Just a short, brief one today, uh, touching on sort of the current issues. Uh, but we'll be back next week with more. Hopefully, by then we might have a takeover to talk about as well. Um, fingers crossed. Four times now, Hundred percent. I know. <laughs> uh, I know. But we can only live in hope, my friend. Um, yes. So we'll be back next week with more. Don't forget to give us a follow on Twitter. Twitter at LRLP podcast. That's a tongue twister for me. That really is. Um, or you can email us at LRLP. There you go. Uh, at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, get in touch. Let us know your questions and we'll do our best. Well, Harry will do his best to answer them whilst I throw the questions at him. Um, brilliant stuff. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll be back very soon with more. Until next time, stay safe, stay at home and take care.